0: Welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall joined as always by two of my favorite guys. One of them is missing at the moment. Ryan Brath, Gene Parenti. Boys, how we doing?
1: Another day in paradise. Lots to talk about this week. So much to talk. I don't feel like I say it every time, but like you know, that's why we're here. It's that time of year, and we're we're ready to go.
0: I'm surprised RB is upright because he's been he's been a writing machine recently. I I don't know how you're here, but hey. It's good to see you, good to see you awake, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, lots going on. We'll get to some of the new gear that's come out, but also, Mr. Robot, how are we doing?
2: You know, today's the first day I'm dry. I haven't tested in 10 days. These California storms (laughs) have just been destroying us, and in the middle of this, I had a really interesting experience, a client of mine... um, invited me like a month and a half ago to come out and play in borrego and i should have canceled but i went out and i knew i wasn't working because of the rain and for the first time of my life played in 30 to 35 mile an hour gusts and or going up to 40 mile an hour gusts and truly some of the most interesting golf i think i've ever played it's made me really You know, I know like our listeners in Oklahoma, they call that a Tuesday, but um, it was amazing to see the physics of the flight of a golf ball in relation to um, not only trajectory, but just the smallest amounts of side spin causing the ball to do like a 90 degree angle to the right and to the left. And um, I have a grand, grand appreciation for the knockdown shot and those skilled in the art of it after this experience.
0: We should do a test on that test golf balls on a windy day with a robot
2: just the problem the is happens. I'm I'm in, I'm in San Diego it doesn't get over 15 20 miles an hour that's what made it so exceptional you just we just don't get that's winds true. like that on the west coast um, to see that and to to see how much the wind affected um, the um, the trajectory it was yeah it was wild it was really really interesting but what it does is you know it shows how good these guys are week to week traveling with different conditions and different wind patterns and understanding, you know, that they can fly the ball with a knockdown shot. All I was trying to do with my knockdown shot was just get it moving in the right direction. You know, it wasn't even about distance at that point, but these guys can, you know, determine distance based upon a wind and a knockdown shot to actually hit the green. I mean, that's just Anyways, had a massive appreciation for that, you know, based on that experience. There
1: was a graphic from last year's players where it was really windy on 17 and they were showing trajectories and like height hit and all that stuff. I still think that was probably one of my favorite TV graphics I've ever seen because it showed you the players that could control it and hit the, like obviously hit the green. And then they were like, who was higher and the wind speed and all that stuff. I just thought like it goes to show that, you know, there's a lot of physics that goes into it because you no know, golf ball, as soon as a golf ball leaves a club face, it starts decelerating, right? It doesn't yep. have force yep. behind it. It's not a rocket yep. ship. It doesn't accelerate yep. as it goes, right? So as it starts to decelerate and descent, it's actually traveling slower. It has less momentum. And that's where wind can like start to really affect it. And I think you no, know, we're, we're going to get to it here in a little bit because there's some, some new golf balls and stuff that come out this week, but dimple patterns make a difference. And it's, it's cool to see how that really changes as the golf ball changes speed
2: through its flight. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And spin axis is critical in that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I did do a test at the RNA about 10 years ago, 110 miles an hour, dead straight shot, uh, almost no side spin. And we had like a 30 mile an hour crosswind, and the ball, it, it was shorter. It was a cross headwind. It was shorter. But it pretty much stayed on its line. As soon as we opened or closed that spin axis, the ball just went off the planet. And it was just wild to see. It didn't take a lot for that to happen. So, you know, I think one of the keys, you know, for amateur golfers and obviously tour players is if you are in windy conditions, don't try to shape the ball. Try to hit as dead straight as possible. Pol- ball as possible, and that will help it cut through the wind and not uh, accentuate um, any directional issues.
0: You know where the weather is perfect, Palm Springs.
1: Which is going to say, you're, there's week. no
0: wind where you are, is there? Yeah, there is. There is no wind out here this week. I am here, as you can probably, maybe, you can hear from all the the backup sirens on cars and stuff. I'm here at the media center for the American Express. In La Quinta, um, had a chance. We'll we'll tease it here in a little bit to interview a, uh, a fairly well known PGA Tour pro for this week's podcast, who just happens to be playing a golf ball that we're going to be talking about. But before we get to the golf ball talk, let's get to the most important topic, biggest story in professional golf. I would say at the moment, it's not from the PGA Tour; it's from the LPGA Tour. We have Nelly Corda and Brooke Henderson signing equipment deals with TaylorMade. And this is a rare one, guys, because every year, I think, you know, gearheads, I know RB and I get geeked out about this time of the season because you start to see who's changing equipment companies. And that's when, you know, end of December is when deals expire and new deals start January 1. So everybody's looking to see who's new, who's got a new deal out on the PGA Tour. And the biggest story that week was Patrick Cantlay, parting ways with Titleist for his full bag deal. And I mean, you had a couple of other guys, Trey, Trey Mullinex and Kevin Kisner signed with Wilson. You had Gary Woodland going to Cobra. But I mean, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but the biggest story is is TaylorMade making a massive investment in their LPGA stable with Corda and Henderson. And both of them were announced this week. Nellie, in addition to her deal with TaylorMade, signed an apparel deal with nike but man it it does i don't think there's a, another signing out there on the pga tour that's gonna come close to corda
1: and henderson inking deals with TaylorMade. you've got you got two two of the top players two top 10 players in the world i believe no no brook won a major last year she'd already using the TaylorMade ball and glove um so that was i mean that's still pretty interesting to see and um uh, You know, there's there's a lot of factors that go into this stuff, right? Because I'm pretty sure at some point Brooke would have been at the one of the shoots for TaylorMade. I don't know if it was one of their full athlete shoots or not, but you know, if she's there and hitting golf balls and doing photo shoots and all this stuff, and and the next thing you know, like there's clubs kicking around, starts trying stuff. It's like, oh, this is kind of interesting, right? And you know, obviously, like it's a it's a busy group with a bunch of people from that company there, right? So, you know, it's interesting how that relationship developed. But TaylorMade is definitely taking an approach similar to the pga tour where they're picking off top talent they're mm-hmm. not just um you know if you look at taylor you know pardon the pardon the language but like you know let's look at taylor old strategy from the late 90s and early 2000s it was spray and pray <laughs> it was you don't have a deal here's a bag and a driver you don't have a deal here's a, here's a bag and a driver right and that made them you know as they called number one driver on tour that was their their call sign for a long long time um and they've really taken a, a strategic approach with the players that they have and the athletes time that they use and all this stuff and it's hard. It's hard to pick two bigger players in on the LPGA tour that are, are recognizable as as um as Nelly and and Brooke and Brooke. You know, maybe there's some bias here, but like Brooke has a built-in, just like Mike Weir did with TaylorMade for a really long time. Brooke had a uh, has a built-in captive audience. You know, there's there's like 10 million golfers in Canada. They all know who Brooke Henderson is. So to to be the brand on her hat or her golf bag is is a big deal.
0: It it most certainly is. And you know, I I would say if you're looking at at both players, I would think Brooke has a little bit of an advantage over Nellie when it comes to these new gear deals because she's already been playing the golf ball, which in my opinion is is, the engine. It's the most important piece. You're, You're building your gear around, making sure that the ball fits all your different shots. And Brooke already had a ball and glove deal with TaylorMade. So you're just adding the golf clubs. Whereas Nelly is is starting from, with a lot of her gear, she's going to be starting from scratch. And I, I got to laugh because we we got Uncle Gene over here trying different backgrounds. And it looked like he was in space for a second. And then it looked like he was behind some dewy grass. Like, uh, anyway, you're throwing me off. You're throwing me off. Off topic, Uncle Gene. Anyway, I... I
1: Trying to get back on uh, me, the rail. <laughs> <The
0: technology. laughs> it's always something tech related with him. Like he's he finds some sort of function on oh, his phone. Look, and it's like oh cool. Look,
2: look at these monkey, new
0: backgrounds.
2: Look, 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 monkey presses button. See what happens
0: <laughs> Oh man, uh, that was. Yep, that is pretty much our podcast in a nutshell. Looking at we 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 uh we get fixated on shiny things very easily. Anyway,
2: my uh, my apologies but, the, for the distraction. Please continue. No, it was it
0: was it was a welcome distraction as I was rambling. But no, I do. I think I think Brooke probably has the advantage because she has been playing the golf ball. And I do wonder how long it takes Nellie to get acclimated to the to the TaylorMade golf ball. You know, if you, and I'm not saying Rory McRoy is. Who we should be comparing Nelly to, but it did take him some time to get acclimated to the new ball, and and so I do wonder how long it's going to take her to start feeling comfortable with it in pressure situations.
2: That that actually, I I, I heard uh, some rumblings about that when he was doing it, and you know I heard he you know he'd go back and forth you know with other golf balls it was frustrated and you know so yeah absolutely you you are 100 percent right and so you know because it's their bread and butter the interesting part is you know has she been working on this for a while or did she just switch because you know the deal was too good to pass up type thing it'll be interesting to see um but you know we we all know that the industry is uh you know, filled with stories of equipment conversions that somehow or another result in, you know, lesser than stellar play in the near future. So it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they perform with this new gear. Yeah. I think probably the most interesting element of this is we talk about some of
1: the most important clubs in the bag. Um, One is, is being the driver and for, for Brooke, Going from a driver like what she was using, which was a ping, I think she was actually still in the G four hundred series, uh, which was a big, like big, big stable driver. She's apparently, according to TaylorMade, going to be using the Stealth Plus, which is a much lower spinning driver overall. Whereas on the other side, you have Nelly, who is a player that uh, in the past has used like a, a Titleist TS one, which is a, is a which is considered like the slightly higher spin model, lighter weight like chassis overall, and she's in the HD. So you've got these two players that are that are you know one has kind of found something in in a similar category and someone has gone the other way and because as, as you know as gene you know you could you could probably explain this better than i can but like you know the faster the club speed the more a miss can be exaggerated right so uh, I, guess, yeah, I think we actually did a video on that <laughs> now that i think about it but with that in mind right like it gives players the ability to look at you know, how, how is their accuracy going to change off the T and, and fitting into these different these categories of, of clubs? Because in, in a lot of cases, there is which we've seen in our robot testing, there's this greater segmentation in the stealth to line. They're both going to be using all the new products. And Brooks got, got the plus models in, which are considered the lower spinning options, and Nelly's got the the HD. So it it goes to show that just because you know, some people would assume that the HD is like, oh, it's the draw model and it's like more forgiving and it's for higher handicaps. Well, not like Cora's ain't no high handicap, folks. She's just using what fits her launch conditions. I think it's really cool to cool to see.
2: Well, and, and, and to that point, you know, it's, it's interesting because let's face it, they can set these heads up however they want you know, from a from a face angle standpoint with the sleeves. And so l- let's just say that, uh, that a draw model, let's say it's got a little bit more spin. And let's say the player plays, a, you know, a power fade, for example. They might like the draw model. And all of the attributes work towards what they're, you know, aiming for. And just the fact that it's a draw model doesn't mean that the shaft the um, alignment are all going to be set in the draw settings. In order to do that, these tour departments can do amazing things with the heads to um, dial them into the specific char- swing characteristics, you know, of an individual player.
1: And same with um uh, was it, uh, who was it um uh I'm blanking on his name Plum Bob Boy Bradley Keegan Bradley he was using this Stealth H no Stealth Boy. I, we, our main point guy mr stutter guy stutter step um he was using the um the stealth or not again i did it again the the sim 2 draw model at one point because it had a deeper face and that profile fit his swing which is you know that it's just that's where the fitting comes into all these all these things and i think it's, it's always interesting to see when you see these draw models pop into players bags it's like guys they don't need like face control. They're actually getting more control because of the way their their these club heads are designed.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's go from golf ball talk on the tailor-made side to golf ball talk on the Titleist side. Uh, you know, this is a, this is a pro V one year for Titleist and they released the new 2023 models. And I, I think the one, if you, if you're going to do one takeaway from these golf balls, the one that should make golfers rejoice, especially those who were clamoring for the Pro V1 left dot golf ball, the you're going to love the new Pro V1. Because it actually has some of the most important tech that the left dot had that gave it that low, long game spin, uh, a little bit more downrange. And this is the golf ball. The left dot was the one that Tony Finau was playing and now they're bringing that, that high gradient material in the cores, they're bringing it to the retail offering. So one of the neat things about what Titleist does is that they're able to take uh, through their concept line, through their their CPO line on golf balls, which is their custom performance offerings. These are, you know, their, their fancy way of saying their tour golf balls, tour only golf balls, like the left dash and left dot, and they're able to test a lot of new materials and technologies on the at the tour level and then depending on how wildly popular some of those technologies are then they can introduce them or at least see how they could introduce them into a retail offering and that's exactly what they're doing with the new pro v1 and pro v1x so you're going to get the same high gradient material not only in the v1 but in the v1x so you're going to get a lot of that you know it's it's essentially decoupling spin. So you still get the low spin in the long game with the driver long irons, but you're going to get spin with the short irons and around the green and, and even more spin from what I've been hearing from tour pros is what they're seeing around the greens with the V1 and the V1X. And We've even seen some left dot guys going to the new V1. So bottom line, instead of paying all that money for left dot golf balls on eBay, you can just go pick up Pro V1, the new 2023 and you're going to be playing the left top ball with just a bit more spin around the green.
1: I I think the gradient thing is really cool and I know, and I've always I've always used this analogy and people would find any any golf ball article that I've I've written probably recently or that will be coming out very soon kind of has this this analogy in it which is the ability to create this gradient core is because like a golf ball core is roughly like an inch, right? So if you if you think about I'm a big pizza guy, or dough, or I I like the muffin analogy because it's always really fun. The muffin is analogy that,
0: is great. The so the muffin if, analogy
1: is great. If you've got a muffin and and you bake it at a really low temperature, you're gonna get a basic, a pretty consistent consistency throughout the entire thing. You're still gonna get that crust on the outside because of the way it's exposed to a different element like air versus the inside of the tin or whatever, right? But a golf ball core is compressed within this mold, so it's you know you get this even consistency all the way around it. Uh, and you, if you, again, if you wanted to use an, like, think of like cheesecake, right? Cheesecake is cooked, baked very low for a very long period of time. And it's the same consistency kind of throughout the whole thing. Whereas if you have a muffin and you bake it, you have this softer center and then you have this outside core, you bake it at a higher temperature for a shorter period of time. You still get this hard crust, but the inside's going to be soft before the outside kind of gets burnt. Right? So it's what they've done is with these encasing molds of the, of the core, which is like this I, I use muffin analogy, but then you talk to the the engineers at the at Titleist. Like, well, there's this isothermic reaction underneath a certain amount of pressure. You're like, oh my gosh, this is like way more complicated than a muffin, but it allows them to keep the center softer and the outside firmer, so you get soft feel, but you get the spin because the outside cord outside of that cover, creates the kind of grabbing on the shorter iron. So you get the spin in the ball. It doesn't compress as much. So it doesn't roll at the face and do all these different things. And then, you know, you had on top of that, a urethane cover and you got all this, all this technology packed into this little 1.15 or two, five, whatever, you know, polymer pellets designed to travel at like 200 miles an hour
2: and stably, Me, hopefully. RB, I got a question for you. How is it you don't weigh 300 pounds and have diabetes? Because all you talk about is muffins, pizzas, cheesecake, like your diet is like carbs and sweets it sounds like it's absolutely I, fascinating I fruit and vegetables they don't have but they're just not exciting to talk. In Canada. Say,
1: <laughs> i i boiled this lovely broccoli this week i roast you know I'm like, that's not as fun as saying i make four pizzas <laughs> i don't eat all the pizzas i make
2: <laughs> all right just checking my man just checking a lot of food yeah. analogies coming out
0: yeah i would be no, getting hungry but i just had breakfast but I'm still hungry. The the especially the muffin. I could go for a good muffin right now. Um, so, anyways, the the high gradient as as RB mentioned, it's it's progressive levels of firmness in the core to to help with the different spins depending on on how fast you're swinging it. Again, with the driver or with with a with a wedge around the green. Um, other than that you know it still has the the casing layer that's sandwiched between the the urethane cover and the core and you know you might be saying well why are you mentioning the casing layer well they they being tidalists mentioned that the, the casing layer plays a really important role if you were to just make the core firmer and go to go to a go to a higher compression on the v 1x but not have that casing layer there between the core and the cover, they were saying that you would get high spin across the board. So you get high spin with the drivers, you get high spin with your irons, wedges, everything. So that that casing layer plays a really important role. And, you know, it's tough. I, I will say this. Golf balls are always tough to discuss because, as Harvey mentioned, there are a lot of really fancy terms to describe a lot of these materials. And for the most part, golfers, just their eyes glaze over, you know, and they roll in the back of their head. Because it's like, well, what does that do for me? But they all play very important roles. And without one piece, the golf ball doesn't perform as it's supposed to. But it is really interesting to see guys changing from the left dot to the V1. And um, other players even switching from V1 into V1X this year. It's, it's just, it, should, it highlights the importance of going and testing golf balls. I, I think it's really important. Just because you're a V1 guy doesn't mean that you're going to go right into the new V1. You should definitely test both. And see if the V1X is a better option for you.
1: Speaking of complicated, you know, last I can't remember last time I did it, but it was probably like four or five years ago. But if you go to the seeing the Titleist Golf Ball Factory, and I know if you were like I think a Team Titleist member, they had they they used to do tours. I think they've done a lot of things, but like the 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 machinery that they use to load the different like individual singular compounds to make the materials on the inside, because everything is made in house there, um, is essentially the same materials or same system for they use for like creating pharmaceutical products when it comes to like the, the, um, the consistency and the, um, the level of I'm trying to, I'm, I'm blanking on the name here, but they, the, um, uh, the, yeah, the level of like quality control that goes into it, like is insane. So like, that's, that's what they're doing when they're doing all these like meticulous calculations of like blending materials. Now they can do it on a much smaller level but when they do it on, like on a retail level and you get all of these products, like, I think that's the thing that people don't realize. And I, I was certainly blown away by what golf ball manufacturing actually looks like versus, you know, we talk about all like reactions and materials and all polymers and all these things. And it's like, Oh, it's a rubber pellet. It's just in like a shiny box. You go in and you buy whatever. But when you see what actually goes into making it, it's always a shocking process. And I think if you haven't done it, I'm pretty sure you can go check out a video of it. I know we we've actually toured the Callaway facility. Uh, we've done a video of it on the past and it's on our YouTube channel on the, on the golf.com YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, I think if, if you watch that process, it's pretty fascinating.
0: All right. I want to get into the interview, but before we do, we do need to mention Wilson has a new line of products. And this one actually has a really interesting history because Dynapower, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, RB, because you, you know far more than I do about golf club history. But I think it's like the 50s or the 60s was when Dynapower was first released. And they're now bringing the name back, but obviously not with the same tech.
1: Yeah, they um, the the name itself, the brand dates back to the fifties, and Wilson's like even older than that. Um, and what it was is, and if you kind of think about old golf clubs, like your your option for golf clubs was blades or other blades. <laughs> like that was it. Like you didn't have this ability to like really pick and choose. And it doesn't mean there weren't like other designs like available. And this is, uh, but with, with Wilson, what they did was they actually drilled the hosel. It was a pretty big like deal back then is they drilled all the extra mass in the hosel and the hosels were pretty big. You go check out some of those old blades. They were huge. Like these big long, long hosels, which raises the center of gravity, moves it up towards the, the, the hosel and the shaft. And what that does is it makes it, puts the sweet spot more closer to the, the hosel, which you don't want to, that's why everyone used to always say like, Oh, a shank is just like half an inch from a perfect shot or whatever. Um, but they they took away from the hosel and they created this like kind of V platform out towards the toe. So there's more mass pushed out towards the toe center. You know the old story, more centered, center of gravity in the, in the, where the grooves are uh, makes the golf club more forgiving because there's also more mass out on the toe. And, you know, Gene talks about it all the time, a, a blade versus a big cowdy back center strikes are great. Heel shots are, are okay. Toe shots suck with a blade and they get way better with a cavity back iron. Right, Gene? Isn't it like it's like 50% worse off the
2: toe? 100%. What's interesting is from center to half an inch, almost three-quarters of an inch heel, almost no drop off. So that's the sweet spot area right there. It is so loaded up on the heel, but you go that same distance towards the toe and you can lose between 12 and 15 yards. It's It's – I mean, granted, it, it varies based on model, but it is insane what the drop-off is on toe hits.
1: Yeah. So like with a blade back in the day in 1956, I think it was they had this cool presentation and video. It's actually a pretty cool hype video. I'll give them credit for that. It's pretty pretty dope. But they they've done they brought that with the irons and included some AI modeling in the club face. So centered contact centered Uh, obviously center of gravity with all their irons but there's more mass positioned on the toe less in the middle to make the golf clothes more forgiving Um, using that name using the the speed uh, slots in the sole they call it as well so they've got it in the iron but the big one that a lot of people are talking about is the driver and there's two versions there's a carbon and a titanium model carbon has a carbon crown and and more on the on the sole actually be doing some testing on that so pay attention to the old instagram Um, but it looks good. Like, it looks really good. I think I think they are going to have this driver out on tour. That's, like, their big push with this product. We saw Kevin Kisner testing a version of this at the end of last year, knowing he wasn't going to be a Callaway staffer. I think he, he, I think he actually struggled with some of the Callaway drivers just because for a lot of players, like, Kevin, a lot of players on tour play a fade. Uh, Kevin's a draw guy. So if, if you get a driver that's too low spin, you can't keep the ball in the air. So, you know, they've obviously tuned a driver up for him. That's worked really well. And you know, we've seen testing videos already. I mean, I've had a chance to preliminarily test it. It's just as basically low spin as every other driver out there. Like, and it's going to, it performs. It's got adjustability in the hosel. You've got a weight at the back. You've got all this kind of, all these, like all this technology. It. And I think people need to give them some credit. Right. And actually I looked, this, I looked this up and I was trying to think of this analogy when it comes to like, you know, we talk about golf clubs, we talk about technology. Um, I think it's a C-class Mercedes costs like let's say fifty grand. Again, this is a rough analogy. <laughs> zero to sixty in like six seconds, right? An AMG CT or G- AMG Coupe GT Coupe costs like two hundred grand, and you get four seconds. So you get, you mean, you save a t- you save a ton of seconds off the zero to sixty time, right? But it's a completely different experience. And I think what Wilson's done is not only have they created a lot of value but they're getting basically right to that limit of you know you're zero to 60 but they're offering great value and they're offering a driver that looks really good and they're offering top of the line materials and all this stuff this is they're really pushing to be like just like again the line, line is not designed for tour players but you're going to see some of the stuff out on tour and i think that's a big bonus for wilson i think it's going to open consumers eyes for i i i'm going to test that i'm going to test that again they haven't done a player's driver in a while they used to do some really cool stuff back in the day um and if you go way way back they have some some big winners, but, uh, I think this is, this is a cool one to see. And I think it's going to help a lot of golfers.
0: Yeah. Wilson's done some really cool stuff here in the last few years, but it's mostly been in, in like the player iron side. Which are awesome. Like their dirt irons are sick. The staff model (laughs) irons are are, great and they, they perform really well. I've tested them out, but I, I would say the one area where they have been lacking has always been in the driver. So, you know, tour is not be all end all, but I will be curious to see if, if this driver gains any sort of traction on the PJ tour this year and if they're able to, to net any wins with it and, and you know early beginning of the season was everybody's looking to see you know what's the hot driver, what should I go test? If they could just capture even even like a high finish with somebody using that driver, I think it'd be I think it would go a long way to getting people to say, oh yeah, I want to test a Wilson driver when I'm looking at four to five different options.
1: Hundred percent. It's and for them, like talking to them, like you know, I got the chance to talk to their team before writing my piece on it. Um, you know, the goal is to just like is change consumers' mindsets. Like, look, if you're going into a, a hitting bay at a, at a big box store or whatever, and like, or you see it, like, give it a shot because you're probably going to be pretty surprised, right? Like, you know, there's a, there's a price variance as well here in play, right? Like, there's you know a lot of drivers now. I think what are five five six ninety nine? So four ninety nine. That's a that's a that's a yeah. good value.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good value. It's still, I still feel like it's in there. I think like five, yeah, like five fifty is probably the high end now. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's higher than that? What's, what's TaylorMade Stealth? I
1: I'm have so, to look again. I've,
0: I've seen so many numbers. It's like, I can't keep any straight. So I also keep
1: terrible. thinking, I, I, I have a, pro, I have a hard time because I'm converting to Canadian all the time because I'm talking to my uh, buddies.
0: Yeah. Don't. I know. Don't I just screw, argue. I just
1: screw everything up. <laughs> so to say, don't let, don't let them give you any sort of numbers. Anyway, I know. Um,
0: all right, well, I think now's a good opportunity to uh, mention that I did get a great interview this week in in Palm Springs. I had a chance to chat with Will Taurus on the Titleist truck. Will's an interesting one because we did this interview on launch day for Pro V1 and Pro V1X, and Will made the jump from 2019 Pro V1 to the 2023 Pro V1X, which is a big change for a lot of guys, but in Will's eyes, it wasn't... That big of a change. The V1 spun a little too low for him is what he's going to say. And the V1X was just right. Um, We got into a lot more than just talking about golf balls. He was born in San Francisco, raised from basically nine years old on in Dallas. He's got a big football game going on this weekend between the Cowboys and Niners. I asked him who he's rooting for. We discussed his, uh, you know, the first Scotty Cameron putter that he got, like a tour version that made him feel like he had made it. He had a great story behind his very first cameron and where where it still resides um talked about you know the tour pros that he talks to when it comes to to discussing equipment a big change he's made to the driver this season partly due to uh some swing changes that he made and now that he's back and feeling healthy as well it's a great interview enjoy it all right well it's always fun to be joined by a friend of the pod Will's all towards. Will, what's up, man? Happy New yeah. Year! Same to you. Thanks for having me. Can I even say that? I mean, it's for like midway into January. I feel like you can't. I, it
3: works for me. I know that. Like, I saw all those tweets about people like, "Oh, January tenth, you can't yeah. say anymore." I'm
0: like, I don't care. You're <laughs> being a nice guy. Like, so I'm going to ask you the most important question first off. You're a Bay Area. You're born in San Francisco raised in dallas (laughs) you and i were actually talking actually kind of similar i know where this is going (laughs) I, i got i gotta know like where where does your legion stand cowboys or niners
3: so overall i'm like half and half so what i mean by that is i root for the dallas stars i root for the san francisco giants i root for the cowboys well there we go um yeah and i root for the warriors so i i basically the reason why i'm a cowboys fan is i've just gone to more games there like we never went to camp i think i went to two preseason games at back when they were playing at candlestick which of course it was 40 degrees blowing 50 and i'm like hey this stinks yeah and they weren't any good either but um yeah i mean going to the games at jerry world it kind of got me into it so my i know both my parents are gonna be rooting for the niners this weekend so it'll be uh might be kind of (laughs) a a, little awkward a little awkward
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this is the time of the year where we see pros, if they're going to change equipment companies, this is the time of the year that we see it. And I've seen a few golfers that made wholesale changes, meaning throughout the bag, plus the golf ball. And it always makes me wonder when I see a pro change a ball. And I wanted to get your take on this. If, if somebody were to say, Will, you're going to have to change a golf ball. Um, but it's not just model, and we're going to get to that because I know you changed golf ball models for the Pro V1 into the Pro V1X, but if somebody said you would have changed golf ball models to a different brand, Mm -hmm. where does that rank on the fear scale, 1 being like no big deal, 10 being like nightmare fuel inducing? Yeah, 12. Um, (laughs) Basically, I mean, the
3: golf ball is the engine. So everything that we do when it comes to clubs starts with the golf ball. And... You know, I'm a high speed, high launch, high spin guy, so I need something that's gonna come down a little bit for me. Now the what I mean by that when I say like twelve is I actually played the twenty nineteen pro v one I guess for the last three years. And I didn't have anything against the twenty one ball, but it's just like, hey, I knew this golf ball. Like I it works. This is what I'm this is what I'm expecting. And so the twenty one for me, like a little bit more spin, well it's like, okay, I'm gone from a thousandth in the world to now i'm in the top 50 like if it ain't broke don't fix it right and so you know the big thing for me like when i and obviously we'll get into this but the big thing for me switching to the 23 uh pro v1 x was just it was just better through the wind it did exactly what my golf ball did but i was able to hit shots that would fight the wind a little bit better and growing up in texas i mean that's you know you're hitting shots and you know it's weird playing in palm springs you know it's like oh no wind pins in the middle of the green it's like i'm used to having to do something so um but yeah the golf ball like i said it's the number one thing and you know the guys who who switch clubs i mean you can get away with that but when you're switching golf balls i mean now you don't know how it's going to go through the wind. you don't know what to expect and so now it's for me like i i couldn't you know, I didn't even try any other golf ball basically for three years just because it's like, I know what it does yeah. and it's all about results. And so, um, yeah, seeing some of the guys make some wholesale changes is, is obviously, I hope it works out for them, but for me, I know I would be DEFCON 5 right now. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we are, as we're doing this podcast, it is Pro V1 launch day. Mm-hmm. The ball's been out on tour. I know you've tested it. I heard you went out to TPI in California to do some testing. And I'm always curious, like, what does golf ball testing look like for Will Zaltorris? Are you, I mean, I'm assuming you tested both golf balls. You probably mm-hmm. tested the V1 because you were already a V1 mm-hmm. guy and the V1X. Were, I mean, how surprised were you that that V1X was better? Because it typically has been mm-hmm. the, the higher spinning golf ball of the two. And as you mentioned, you're kind of that that lower, you want a little bit less spin.
3: Yeah, so I'm kind of in a weird, you know, coming off of injury, I had to make a couple changes to my posture. Um, it helped bring the golf ball down, which was really nice. And then when I tried the 23 V, I just had a tough time keeping it in the air. I wish I had some like really cool, like, you know, Oh, we did this testing, blah, blah, right. blah. But it literally was just seeing a golf ball just fall out of the sky with the driver. I mean, it was getting underneath. It was probably about 2000 to 1800 spin. Normally I'm at like 23 to 26. Okay. And so I, you know, really just seeing balls, just not, know carry i mean just literally just diving out of the sky and so we try to go to the 23x and i mean i literally i mean it was right at right at where i was going right at what i was doing with the 19v but it was also getting a couple more yards of carry but it was also like i said it was fighting the wind so much better yeah um but i'll leave all the expertise and all that stuff to 40 because i i know that he made some changes and he's had me test balls throughout the last six to eight months but I'll, I'll let him explain that better than I could.
0: What is the, the go-to shot you need to see when you're doing ball testing? It's got It's got to be able to, to perfect mm-hmm. this shot for me or it's a no- go.
3: You know, that's a good question because I think it's actually more of uh, testing balls with wind. So if I'm gonna have a ball that's no spin and I'm hitting a shot downwind, I could hit something that can literally take off and just have no chance of staying on the green or it could actually fall out of the sky. So being able to predict what it's going to do the second it comes off the face and then same thing into the wind. If I've got a ball that's going to spin too much of the balloons and now all of a sudden we'll play a week like Bay Hill and I'd be standing on 17 and have no chance. Yeah. But if I also have a ball that has not enough spin into the wind, now I have, you know, hitting low shots I have no chance of holding greens cause I'm hitting it so low. So really, it's just the predictability of just knowing what your golf ball is going to do, and I think for me, when I did the testing, being able to go into the wind, downwind was kind of my testing. But when it comes to like you know certain shots, it's really
0: you know like I said, it's just really just doing it, doing what I'm expecting it to do. When are you doing your testing? I mean, you mentioned. So you go out to TPI, the, the end of 22. I mean, you jokingly said the last time you had been out there was what, like 2015? Yeah, been 2016? a 2016, been a while. Yeah. When are you doing your testing? I mean, do you test throughout the year? Do you not like to, would you prefer to save that for kind of that shorter off season around the holidays?
3: Yeah, you know, so basically, you know, before this launch, uh, 40 would come out with some uh, prototype balls while we're on the golf course and he would just say, hey, you know, hit this, you know, compared to your ball. And he would literally just walk with us for like a hole or two and he'd say, all right, give me some feedback. Yep. And have no label on it besides a Titleist logo and then go from there. And I, he came to Bay Hill, which was great because that's exactly where I even really learned how to test golf balls was because I remember hitting a wedge downwind on 16 that I couldn't really hold with the V and then 17 going back into the wind, I remember hitting my ball with a four iron in the front bunker and then having the new or the, that prototype ball and literally almost airmailed the back of the green. And I was like, look, that's cool. But like, I don't know if I can hold like I don't know if I could like hold this ball in the US Open. Yeah. Um, so really, like he would come out through like a probably once every two months with a prototype, ask for feedback and then once we got to December, uh, I really went out there to go see D- Dr. Greg Rose just to get my back checked out and just see what changes he thought I needed to make 3D-wise. But doing some work with JJ and just seeing, because I had been playing the V prototype at home, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't. I'm in a weird spot because I'm not fully healthy yet, so I don't really know how much testing we should do." Yeah. But we settled on the on the. Uh, 23 Pro V1X, and I guess a lot of guys who had been playing the 19V had switched into the 23 Pro V1X. Notably, FedEx Cup number one player Seamus Power. Um, So I I think JJ kind of knew before I was coming in. He's like, "You're probably going to like this ball." Yeah.
0: Let's almost kind of curious about your history with (laughs) titles gear. Mm -hmm. Like it seems to me, and this is just like as a observer mm-hmm. but it seems like a lot of the guys on the title of staff are lifers like guys have been playing the gear for forever and ever going yeah. all the way back I'm, I'm always wondering where like where does your title of story start like where yeah did you start, where this start is, playing the gear.
3: i love this story um i was 11 years old and howard nelson uh worked for a kushnet for a long time i want to say north of 30 years which is not atypical and yeah, not for Titleist. Yeah. is not atypical to hear someone work there for 30 years. But um, he saw me playing, it was like my first adult set of clubs that I had ever gotten, with, you know, lady shafts, cut down, whatever. Yeah. And, and uh, it was a different brand. And he said, well, we're gonna fix this real fast. And he gave me a full bag of Titleist and out of his account, mm-hmm. um, and I've been playing it ever since. So, I mean, I guess it's been 16 years of playing Titleist and I've never really thought about playing anything else. You know, I just, um, you know, Howard gave me wedges, balls, everything that, you know, everything that he could possibly, you know, get my hands on. And it just shows you how, you know, he just, he knew that I was a range rat. I loved playing the game and Um, eventually got me set up with Jim Ahern you know when he was obviously running the amateur side for forever and um, and so really you know like I said I've I've literally been with Titleist my entire competitive career and I don't mean professionally I mean junior golf junior golf too so yeah I mean to be more than half my life I've been playing Titleist and I've had relationships with some of these guys you know that the Dallas reps in particular like I said since I was in grade school
0: yeah favorite titles club growing up oh man um probably the
3: 906 f2 five wood a five wood okay a five wood okay. i can't play a five wood anymore just because i hit it so dang high yeah. it was just it would balloon but i remember what that was literally the sickest wood i had ever had and i remember when uh, JJ came to me and said, "Yeah, we actually kind of modeled our one of the three wood heads off of the 906 F2." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so jacked!" <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I can't, I can't wait. He's like, "I can't believe you even had one of those." Yeah, but yeah, I think I was, i think say it was 12 or 13, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, first that was like my first real fairway wood, and then having the 905 R was my first tireless driver.
0: I've talked to JT and Spieth. And, you know, they tell the stories about when they first got their, like, circle T Cameron. Yeah. You know, I think JT switched recently back into a putter that he said it was kind of from his... Although the stories are getting mixed up because he said middle school, but then I, I think he's also said high school. So probably somewhere in there, speeds have the same 009. Yeah. I'm wondering for you, when when was that... Like, when did you get that first camera that made you feel like, man, like, this is, this is like a big deal. I'm getting something beyond yeah. just like the retail stuff. So
3: I got a button back uh, a newport black button back when i was 15 and putted with that through my senior year of high school through college won the u.s junior with that shot 59 with it like loved but i remember my mom put the fedex box in the back of the car and i turned back around and like opened it up and i think i was like I guess I, maybe I was a freshman in high school, but I got literally it. remember like, cursing in the car because I was so excited. And she's like, well, <laughs> I was, but I was, I was like, holy, you yeah. know, just losing yeah. my mind over it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got that one at home. I, I remember uh, I was actually playing in Mexico one time and this guy was like, I'll play you the last five holes straight up to, for your putter. And I'm like, hell no. Yeah, like this, there's no chance. Yeah. Like I don't care if it is a T10, you know, button back. I'm like, this is mine. Like yeah. I won the US yeah. junior with this. Like yeah. I won a lot
0: of tournaments with that thing. But yeah, that was the first one. How much, you know, I see guys sometimes out on, out on tour and they're talking about gear and uh, usually kind of comes around launch day. How mm-hmm. much do you talk to, to some of your peers, the guys <clears> that you hang out with about new equipment when it comes out? Does, mm-hmm. does, their opinions matter at all to you when you're weighing decisions or is it more just about like what fits your game?
3: Yeah, I think that's actually a really good question. So definitely what fits me, but I like having these conversations with Cameron Young. Um, he is a tinkerer beyond tinkerers. Is he really? Big time. And he he'll make it sound like he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he's one of the smartest guys out here. Um, I always like talking to him about some of this stuff. Uh, he picks my brain about it all the time. Like I don't really change stuff that often. Like I'm very slow to change. I'm a, I'm kind of a nightmare, honestly, when it comes to that stuff, because I'm still playing the old irons and I love the new irons, but it's, you know, like I said, I'm one of the best ball strikers in the world. So it's like, I let's not change what, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix Mm -hmm. it. Um, but JJ actually got me We're working on some stuff. So it'll be, it'll be fun coming up in the future. But, um, Yeah, like we've, I played a sixteen and a half degree three wood for a really long time, and I just was really struggling with it off the tee. It was just super spinny, just not, not really dialing it up. And he went the exact opposite and gave me the, uh, was it the TSR two plus in a thirteen degree, and it was just an absolute missile. Yeah, and I loved it. I moved back to fourteen five, but Cam. Was hitting mine, fell in love with it. Now he's got a TSR two plus because I mean, in college, he'd be the same thing. You know, I'd get a new shaft in my driver, and next thing you know, he's hit twenty five balls with it because he's like, "Oh, well, you know, what is this thing? How is this different than mine?" And honestly, you could ask me what shafts are in my my driver through it, and I got gotta be honest with you, I don't, couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I think they're Ventus, but like, but that <laughs> they, they are Ventus. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you <laughs> even know? But that's like that's like he's all he's all into that stuff and geeks out over it, and I'm like. You know, okay. You know, ask me. All I know is like my three iron's got a hat that's the coated graphite over the steel. Like that's, I I just use most of the time whenever I'm doing fittings, I assume it's me, Mm. and then if I see something weird, then I'll know it's a golf club. Yeah. But like 99% of the time, the guys are telling me, "Hey, stop trying to change your swing to fix this stuff." Yeah. But that's just that's just how I grew up.
0: Yeah. Last one for you you were one of the very first guys to switch to the tsr2 mm-hmm. to the driver as you mentioned you, you had the fairway wood as well uh and you were cooking with that thing mm-hmm. like from from the get-go yeah you won in memphis with tsr2 mm-hmm. and I, I gotta be honest like the tsi was so good mm-hmm. when when like guys were testing it and i was hearing so much great feedback and made me wonder like guy's going to switch that quickly to TSR yeah. what what did you see during testing that made you go like wow this is this is better than TSI and I'm not only is it better but I'm going to switch right away
3: yeah I mean look if you hit a ball on the screws like it's kind of hard to make it that much better right is like, that good the difference is now the mishits are just so much better from TSI to TSR and you know okay I'm one of the top 10 players in the world like I'm talking about miss hits like if I'm talking about miss hits then everybody else on the market should be thinking about miss hits and so the difference was for me is like if I hit something like a little bit in the heel I might lose probably 10 to 15 well now I'm losing seven and that could be the difference of me landing one in the rough or in a bunker or being in the fairway and have a wedge but having a wedge birdie look like that's how much that matters and so I mean yeah i I hate doing the the launch day photo shoots because it's like, hey, here you go. This is better, but you got to wait three months. And yeah. so I'm like, come on, guys! Like I know, <laughs> like I know how much better this is going to be. And so, um, I I love it. I mean, I I've, I've played a couple different variations of the TSR three, but, um, you know, I've gone an inch and a quarter shorter just coming back off an injury. But, um, I'm uh, probably my favorite. That's story. a lot. Yeah, it is because I was playing a forty. What was a 45 and five eights or whatever it yeah. was and then um i went down shorter but the beauty of it is my speed is actually only about a mile an hour slower just because i'm more efficient um and that's going back with greg rose and working yeah. on all that stuff but
0: do you see that being something that you're just going to keep? I mean, you mentioned just coming back from injury. Do you, yeah, do you I, see going back to your normal length? Or I, would lo- I
3: would love to, I mean, especially going around this place and seeing the bunkers where it's like, oh, 325 carry, and I'm kind of like,
0: damn it. you yeah.
3: know. But um, I, I probably will at some point. I think right now it's I'm still getting my feet wet coming back, and I just want to see how my body reacts. I've been super careful coming back. I've had no problems since literally six weeks after I had the injury mm. but it's just trying to make sure that's like hey you were 26 you had a back injury like let's make sure let's think long term here yeah. and so I've been very careful with everything that I've done but my favorite story about the TSR was actually uh, this past year at Memorial I airmailed the last bunker on 18 every single day and Jason Day came up to me and he's like, he's like, man, screw you. Like Jack's going to have to put a new bunker out there now. <laughs> I was just absolutely lacing it. And so, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's insane how good it is. I mean, like I said, the big difference between TSI and TSR is just the miss
0: Yeah. Well, it's good to see you back out here and healthy. Have a great week in Palm Springs. Thanks, and Thanks for being on the pod. Absolutely. Thank you. And a big thanks again to Will for the time that'll do it for episode 173 of fully equipped. As always, if you want the gear news, check us out on social media. There is a lot going on on social. If you can't keep up with all of the gear releases and the gear signings on your own, we are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll see you next week.